the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Now, I've been married for 11 years. We have a normal marriage, which means when we disagree, she wins. <laughs> what we don't ever disagree on is how we're going to leave this planet for our daughter. Are we going to leave it better off or worse? The richest people in this country don't pay their fair share. And when they're asked to, they cry socialism. They use phrases like redistribution of wealth. That scares everybody, and they all run, and they hide. For the record, my campaign is vehemently against the distribution of wealth to the richest Americans by our government. And welcome to the main event. The propaganda phrases that our politicians use to sway low information and no information voters. Uninformed and misinformed. You know what? I'm against the distribution of of wealth by our government to the richest Americans. You know, that's a scene from a... uh, from a movie called The Ides of March from, I don't know, three or four years ago. You know, we need to talk about this. I was uh, having a conversation with my son uh, uh, this week and discussing how I make my points. And sometimes I'm uh, I'm a little bit too blunt and it makes people's minds close and ears snap shut because it's always Democrats versus Republicans. You know, the Democrats, and, uh, and I know that uh, he has talked to some Democrats uh, unlike me, because I never talked to Democrats, um, but Democrats see Republicans. Hey, you know what? All they think about de- all re- about Republicans are all all they're about is Bible thumping and cutting taxes for rich people. You know, and I said, you know what? That's uh, that's the that's not the government giving back money to rich people, as uh, George Clooney says in that in that thing. It's uh, letting them keep their own money and do with it what they want. And rich people got there. Somehow, because they know they know one thing is that money doesn't grow unless it's moving. I have a friend, Paul Oster, uh, who owns Remax of Mammoth, and uh, I've learned a lot from this guy over the years in uh, in how to think about money. And Paul Oster talks about the velocity of money. You know, it's 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 all about the velocity of money. If money's not moving, the faster it moves, the more it grows. The faster the money moves in this country. The more jobs get created, and uh, you know, rich people and corporations use their—they know—they know they don't use their money to get rich by letting it sit in the bank. Hey, if we if we give that if we cut the taxes, they're going to keep their money and keep it in the bank. No, they're not. They're going to keep their money and they're going to create jobs and expand their business and create jobs. We can't make this economy go by the government creating jobs because the government doesn't know how to create jobs. That we can't tax 
we can't tax this country into prosperity. You got to ease up some of the government regulations and create jobs. You know, there's this company called Apple up in Northern California or up by uh, Marin County. I forget the name of the little city. They're in Cupertino or something like that. Something like that. And uh, they've got a big corporate office up there. But, you know, they build iPhones. It's the things that probably 90% of you listening to this show are either have one in your pocket, in the car with you, or you're listening on your iPhone. Okay, they build those things in China. Why do you think they do that? Because Chinese people are smarter than us? Or Chinese people are skinnier than us and they can operate on little tiny itty-bitty parts easier? No, it's because China doesn't have as many regulations and it doesn't cost as much to build stuff there. There's no, there's less, less environmental stuff and less this and less that. And guess what? You know what? They could be, they, we could be building these things in California and create thousands and thousands of jobs building Apple iPhones, you know, because there's, there's a cost to doing business in, in China too. But the cost for them to, to build a plant in China and for them to pay the Chinese people and to, and to do all that stuff is, is far less expensive than what it costs to, to, uh, to deal with the government regulations in this country and the high taxes in this country. You know what? Ease those things off and bring those, bring those, tax, those tax dollars. Bring those, give the tax dollars back to the guys that own Apple all the stock stockholders and let them create jobs so that people in California can build iPhones. Of course, if we still leave uh, Jerry Brown in the in the governor's mansion, uh it'll probably be uh go to Nevada like uh like uh Tesla did with their battery plant, but that's what we're talking about. We say just cut taxes. Cut taxes. You know, when Ronald Reagan got to this country, when Ronald Reagan became president, our our top tax uh, tax bracket was seventy two percent. He dropped it down to twenty eight, and more tax money came into the federal government than in history, and they cut it from seventy two to forty eight. And you know, I think about the the uh, what's going on in foreign policy is thirty six years ago in nineteen eighty we had a uh, well thirty five years ago today, but thirty six years ago this time would be in the in the campaign for president. 36 years ago, we had a uh, we had a, a wuss in the White House who uh, who was who was weak on our economy and weak on our foreign policy, and we brought in a movie star to take it over. Now we've got a wuss in our White House today who's weak on our economy and weak in foreign policy, and now we've got a uh, a guy who's on TV and he's a big businessman wanting to get in. You know, what? maybe that's the right guy, or maybe he's just the guy to turn the turn the conversation around and we bring somebody else in. But we're going to talk about that more. We're going to talk about that more. And then, oh, you know, and then, then on the Bible thumping, you know what? Uh, as for the Bible thumpers, you know what? Uh, Scott Walker, Scott Walker, the Wisconsin governor and uh, presidential candidate, you know, I might have this conversation with my son. I had to talk about the, about the, the uh, cutting the taxes and the Bible thumping that the Republicans do. You know what? In, in Wisconsin, Scott Walker signed a bill saying making abortions illegal after 20 weeks. 20 weeks. I thought it was illegal after 12 or 13 weeks everywhere in the country. But at 20 weeks, 20 weeks, that baby is half cooked. If anybody's seen the uh, seen that exhibition called The Human Body that they have in uh, Las Vegas, and I've seen it uh, in an exhibition at New York, and I know they have it all over the place, probably in San Francisco, but it's The Human Body where they actually took a uh, it's, uh, cadavers and they stripped the skin off, and they and one of them shows one you know they have a few of them that show them how the muscles work and so you actually see human bodies and they strip out everything and and they do something where you can see the blood the circulatory system and see how the nervous system works and and you can see the 
inner workings of the human body. And there's one section of it that show and they, they tell you, hey, this is things on babies. If you don't want to go through this part, you know, avoid it. And it shows um, fetuses at various various stages of, of growth. And this one's at two weeks, and this is at th- what they look like at three weeks. And this is, you know, at 20 weeks, at 20 weeks, that's a little kid. They could li- live outside the body at, at that point. It's it's amazing. And what did Hillary Clinton come? Oh, and then he said, then he said he uh, passed a law that said that. And I don't I don't know if this one actually passed that they want to require that girls having uh, having uh, abortions have to have a sonogram and look at it, so they see what they're we're boarding. It's not just a piece of tissue. There's a human body there. And uh, Hillary came out and said Scott Walker is trying to take away uh, women's rights. You know what? Hey, if you want to call that Bible thumping. You know, uh, if anybody's seen the undercover videos of Planned Parenthood that have been around about them selling specimens, they show a, they show pieces of an 11.6 week old fetus, and they're in their in their got it in a little a little petri dish or a little tray, and they got their here's a little leg and here's a little arm and here's a little spinal column. You know what? That's just not a little piece of tissue in there. No, maybe I, maybe I need to soften up my delivery so as to not turn people's minds off, but I'm not going to anyway. So on that on that note, I'm going to talk about lots of stuff that's going on in this country and uh, and what's happening and my opinion of it. But first, let me introduce myself. My name is Ed Hoffman, President of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender, located in the city of Moreno Valley. Also offices in Temecula, Corona, Downey, Orange, and Westlake Village to service all of Southern California for all your real estate financing needs. If you're interested in getting involved in any of the, the fantastic opportunities out there that are real estate and you need financing, whether that's to refi or to purchase, purchase a, uh, a personal residence, a vacation home, or a investment property, an investment property, call me toll free at 855-640-2020, 855-640-2020. One last time, day or night, toll free, 855-640-2020. If you want to get in touch with me, but you don't want to talk with me on the phone, you want to do it the uh, the uh, the way the millennials next gens do, and shoot me an email. You can go to edhoffman.net, click on apply now, and uh, fill in the fill in the form. Give me as much information as you want me to have, and tell me how much information that you want in regards to your real estate financing project or needs or curiosity. You'll hear back from me or one of my teammates. Uh, Alex Rojas, Matt Bradbury, or Randy Sampius, and we will give you all the information that you want to do. If you want to hear part of this show, uh, if you want to hear this show repeated or share it with somebody or uh, you miss part of it, um, you can also go to edhoffman.net, click on List of the Main Event, hear this show as well as four past shows, and uh, you can also get me on uh, iTunes. And uh, am I my podcast up on uh, AM590, The Answer, yet? AM 590, the answer. Now we've got podcast up on that as well. Or get me on iTunes and go on to iTunes, search Ed Hoffman. You get the podcast. You can subscribe for free, and it'll pop up once a week on your iPhone, your iPad, your iPod, your iWatch, or your computer, and uh, you can listen to it any time of day, any time of week that you want. You can follow me at Twitter, at Ed Hoffman, and you can get our Facebook page at the main event. 590. Um, once again, if you want to get in touch with me, 855-640-2020. So this weekend, this past weekend, we had a little event at my office that I've been talking about for about a month because it took about a month to put it together. And it's, call, it's called Push-Ups for Charity. 
Push-Ups for Charity, and we had a bunch of people out there, and we raised a bunch of money. We had people out there. We did uh, 3,847 push-ups total. We had uh, $54,000 raised before we went, before we actually started the event Saturday morning. We had people come to the event who had actually donated, and after going to the event, they went back home and went online and donated some more. We had uh, people from all different age brackets, uh, from five years old up to 75 years old, and we raised a grand total of $70,452 for the boot campaign. And uh, it was a fantastic event. We had a we had a lot of fun out there. We had a lot of people. We're going to make this an annual event next year. We're going to do it as the kickoff uh, in mid May uh, when it's a little cooler, and uh, we're going to do things a little bit little bit bigger. And uh, and you know it's a uh, uh, it was an exciting day. It was fun. And you know what? Compared to to doing a golf tournament. Um, you know, when people do fundraisers, I say, hey, if you're going to raise, if you're going to raise funds, raise some funds. If you can do a, a you know, a, a fundraiser for for a good cause, then go out there and get some funds. And we brought it together with uh, our employees and uh, our listeners and everybody out there. They all came together to support our veterans. And right now on the phone, I have Joey Jones. Joey, welcome back, third time on our show. Absolutely, it's always a pleasure. It's good to talk to you, uh, man. Yeah, big news, right? Yeah, we got big news. We had a tremendous turnout at Push Ups for Charity last Saturday, and you know our uh, our conservative our conservative crowd from Wholesale Capital and from our listeners from the main event, we all turned out. We did uh, 3,847 push-ups, including uh, I did 90, which was 10 more than my 30-year-old son. Uh, and uh, we raised a total of seventy thousand four hundred and fifty-two dollars. Wow, that is insane. You have no clue what that's going to do for the boot campaign and what we're trying to get done this year. We've got some amazing initiatives that Push Ups for Charity will fund. And, um, you know, you've really just been a huge part of that. So thank you and thank everyone you brought out. And um, we're so grateful. Hey, uh, give us, tell, us, tell us some of the things that are going on with, uh, that's gonna, that this is going to enable a boot campaign to accomplish. Yeah, of course. So for those who haven't heard before, Boot Campaign is a national military nonprofit, and we pride ourselves in accomplishing three things. We raise awareness among all Americans of the service and sacrifice our military has gone through. Then we promote patriotism, so we give all Americans an opportunity and a kind of a shot in the arm on being patriotic and being appreciative of this country. And when we go out and raise money doing these things, we provide assistance to our nation's heroes. Um, we partner with major initiatives like traumatic brain injury and post-traumatic stress and uh, healing those wounds. We also support families through urgent financial assistance. So if they're just in a bad place financially, they allow us to help them out and get them to that next level in life. Some of the main things we're focusing on this year, we've got a pilot program called Patriot League going into schools all over the country, all grade levels. And it just allows children uh, an initiative to use patriotism and American values as creative writing opportunities. They also can raise money and do fun things as well. So that's, we're really proud of that. We have our Urgent Financial Assistance Fund that is always at the forefront of our efforts. It's how we help people immediately. Um, and then we're also, like I said, partners to help in healing with traumatic brain injury and post-traumatic stress. Yeah, we had, uh, we had some of my... Uh, some of my... Uh, employees from Wholesale Capital that came on the radio last week to talk about some of the things that uh, serving their country has done, and it's you know it's amazing as people don't understand that you know you got you got guys that 
that didn't come back missing two legs. You got came guys that came back looking, hey, I served, I did my did my time, I I served my country, and they look all together. I've got one at one at my office that makes a gigantic amount of money. Put two tours in Iraq. He's you know nine years in the army and or ten years in the army, nine years overseas, and uh, is doing tremendously well. Is a good looking guy. Has a good looking wife. Has a has like eleven properties, lots of money in the bank, and you th- and he couldn't show up. Because he says there's it brings out skeletons in his closet. He you know, he made a big donation, but he said, I can't come on the radio and talk about that. I can't come there and be a part of that, be a part of the event because it I he goes, I'm messed up. You don't see it, but I'm still I'm still dealing with that. Yeah, you know, it's really funny. I was speaking to a friend just a few days ago and her brother's in a similar situation and what people do sometimes is they take the negative in their life, they project that on possible positive thing, you know, and you assimilate, oh man, you know, all these negative things, and well, I don't want that recognition as a veteran, I don't want that recognition as a service member because I don't know what it means to me yet, I don't know where I'm at with, with my healing, and you know, they're also afraid of misrepresenting their community, of not being the best example of who we are as veterans, and what we try to do at Food Campaign is provide as disarming an opportunity as possible, whether it's a one-on-one conversation or a big event and everything in between, to help guys and gals come to the conclusion that they should be proud of serving the country and they should accept this grateful nation's pass on the back or thank you. But it's not easy for everyone, and we don't force that on them. What's important is that if we do our job right at Boot Campaign, more and more and more Americans will just be appreciative and recognize the sacrifice. One thing I tell people is that we, we do things that partner with organizations or ourselves to get these guys and gals back in jobs or back in training so that they can provide for their family, but most importantly, be a positive contribution to have something to work towards. And what people don't understand is that these service members spend their formidable years, they're 18 to 24, 18 to 30, when people are in college and learning life lessons, they're out fighting wars, they're out saving one another. They're, they're learning these valuable skills, but they're not learning the same skills as their peer groups. So there's a gap there that has to be filled. That's what we try to do. Some of it's the social anxiety. Some of it's fitting into a large crowd that doesn't have a care in the world. When For 10 years, when they were in a large crowd, that meant fear for your life. So, you know, there is a real lasting effect that serving during a time of war has. But we truly believe we can hang on to the good and help alleviate the bad. And so all of our programs and all of our efforts try to do just that, to hang on to those things that these service members have learned that can be great for them and to help them unload the weight of the bad things. Well, you know what? I don't, I don't think this guy has any question about what his, how he feels about his service. I think he just doesn't want anybody to see him get, get, uh, get misty and start crying in front of people. So, um, and you know Absolutely. what, you know, he, we, we've uh, done some fundraisers before and, uh, he got forced to uh, present me with an award for, uh, something we did for the independence fund. And, uh, we saw some, his eyes leaking, uh, in front of everybody, but you know, we, we guilted him into, he's the, he's our military guy at the office and, and, uh, he had to That's do that. And, uh, I told him, I told him, you know, it would be really powerful if I could get you on the radio to talk about that. I know, I know you're going to open up some skeletons, but we re- we can record and we can take out the part when you start to break up, but uh, I'll keep I'll keep working on him. In the meanwhile, I understand you push back the because I I understood the push the uh, Lincoln Memorial was in August, and now now I hear it's September nineteenth. 
correct. And, and you know, that's one of those things where the, the audience, the push-ups for charity, kind of forced us in a very positive way to give them another month to do their push-ups for charity events all over the country. So I'm very proud of the fact that we had to move it over to later in September because so many people wanted another month all over the country to host their own push-ups for charity event. Um, I think you guys out there really set a high bar for people to strive towards as far as people out there and push-ups done and then money raised. But I hope that uh, some people uh, step up to the challenge and just really the reason why you're so successful in your event is that your community and your network owned it and really felt like it was their effort. Uh, the boot campaign gets to be a part of this and bring you the opportunity, but we want people to really own it and, and bring out the veterans that they're close to and say thank you and say, listen, this is for you. And uh, that's what it's all about. Yeah, it was, a, it was a tremendous event and very patriotic. I had a lot of young kids there. And we're uh, and you know some of the kids I sponsor. I told everybody, hey, I'm going to give a dollar for every push up that gets done today, on top of what I had already put in. And uh, one little kid gets uh, uh, gets up, says, "How much money did I make?" He said, "You don't do I get paid now?" He goes, I "Go no, you made you made money for this guy." And we had a picture of uh, you and another guy up on the on the poster with a, you know the thermometer the, of how what we we're how much we were raising the money. Say we're raising to help people like this that fought for our country and you know, little kids. You know that they you know they're not getting that in school now. And if we don't teach them that that whole feeling will will dissolve in our country. You're absolutely right, and that is so important. And we're not talking about ideology as far as politics or. Um, you know, how you feel about issues that may or may not be at the forefront. What we're talking about is, hey, people have fought and died. And not only that, but their families have suffered so that we have a country that you're free enough to argue about whether or not the government's good or bad, or whether or not a law is right or wrong, to overturn a rule, to uh, lower taxes, to lower the amount that the government gets from you, all these types of things, they're unique as far as superpowers go to our country. And to have both the wealth we have and, and the opportunity we have, it's, it comes at a high price. It doesn't just exist. And the younger we can teach Americans the value of what we are, what we stand for, and what we have, the better chance we have of preserving it and appreciating it and not taking advantage of it or taking it for granted. And that's why the Patriot League, one of our programs, is designed to do just that. Present the information to them and let them have an emotional reaction. Let them experience either through meeting someone like myself or the veteran that works with you that you're talking about and understanding that there are sacrifices and lifelong changes that people want to do to keep this country great. Well, I'm I'm excited about being a part of that in the Patriot League. Uh, I'm I'm excited that you guys are doing something to reach little kids and because I don't believe the schools are doing that anymore until we – Till we go full vouchers and and charter schools, I don't think I don't think I think we're going to lose that from our country unless someone like the boot campaign is helping push that in, and we're proud to be a part of it. Um, and you know, the, we're going to make this an annual event because we can see some things we could have done better to make the the day smoother. And but everybody loved it. And you know, comparing from past that we've done charity golf tournaments. This was so much cheaper, so much easier to put together. And you'd say, hey, if you're going to do a fundraiser, let's raise some funds for this cause. If you're going to get behind a, behind, a, uh, behind a cause, then let's do something 
for the cause and quit uh, focusing in on, hey, let's have a fun golf day. Let's ha- let's go do something for the cause and then let's get on with our lives and and let the let the boot campaign do it do what we worked for to help these guys out. And uh, we're we're gonna make that an annual event. Except for next year, we're starting in May when it's a little cooler outside. Oh, absolutely! It's <laughs> the dog days of summer, and the event we do over at the Lincoln Memorial is is, is really amazing. And I really hope you have the opportunity to come out and join us. Um, and the way it works, we're out there in the very early morning hours. Usually, Fox and Friends from New York comes down and covers it, and we're sitting at the Lincoln Memorial doing push-ups. You're looking at the World War II Memorial in front of you. You've got the Korean War Memorial on one side, the Vietnam War Memorial on the other. You don't need any more motivation. I mean, it's there in front of you, but it's a long day. It's a tiring day. And what's so beautiful about Princess for Charity all over the country, just like you guys experienced, is you're physically doing something. You're 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 sacrificing time and energy to make to make us feel. When I say us, those veterans feel like they're important and they're not forgotten. I can't thank you all so much for going out there and doing it. And you put it together really quickly too. So I. I'm very proud of your guys' effort. I, I can't thank you enough. Yeah, I'm proud of all my guys at WCC and all the listeners that came out and all the sponsors that that jumped in to support this. And uh, we're going to be we're uh, we we want to be your open your opening event next year. And uh, I'm going to do what I can. I'm supposed to be in uh, South Carolina on that weekend of push-ups of the of the final uh, for a donation we did to the Independence Fund. But I'm, I think I'm becoming Lieutenant Dan now. Because I'm just raising money for veterans, and uh, you know what? If that's if that's my mission in life, then that's a good mission. So, Joey, thanks for coming on the show with us. I'm uh, hopefully be uh, seeing you in uh, next month out in uh, in Washington D.C. If I can if I can swing that, and uh, we will talk to you uh, another time on the radio very soon. Thank you very much. I can't wait. I'm out of time for part one of the main event. Stay tuned for five minutes of commercials and traffic and weather, and we'll be right back with uh, part two of the main event. Don't go away. And we're back with part two of the main event. My name is Ed Hoffman, president of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender. If you need uh, help with any kind of real estate financing, you don't hear me talking much about it most weeks here. But hopefully uh, if you see that I think like you do, then you, we all sell the same products anyway. And you can talk to someone with some common sense. Call me toll free at 855-640-2020, 855-640-2020, or go to edhoffman.net, click apply now, and fill out as much information as you want me to have. So the first half of the show, we talked about uh, how I uh, how I uh, offend people with the way I uh, uh, just say, uh, way I push my uh, push my uh, my opinions on them, and then uh, and then of course how I did some some push ups with a bunch of you last Saturday, and we raised a bunch of money for some guys that fight for our freedom, and uh, and it was a that was a. Talking about the military, you know, I, I'm going to transition into uh, one person that's not been on the good side of vets, and that's Donald Trump. Uh, by most of you now, you've, you, he's he's obviously ticked off a lot of people, um, but he made some comments. He made some comments last weekend uh, about Senator John McCain. And uh, what I want to do today is add some humanity to Donald Trump because I get he, I think he gets a lot of unfair criticism about his campaign. He's been portrayed as a joke by the media. I know uh, one of the candidates said that the uh, the uh, being in the in the debate next Thursday is going to be like being a NASCAR rider, knowing that one or a NASCAR driver in the Indy 500, knowing that well the Indy 500 is not NASCAR, is it? 
Um, but being a NASCAR in a NASCAR race, knowing that one of the drivers is drunk, so uh, uh, I don't think that's really fair. Because I think uh, Donald Trump, although he's not the polished politician, I think I think everybody's ready for that. I think ready people are talk, tired of the of the polish, and I think he's being unfairly uh, beaten up by the media. So in a moment, I'm going to play some uh, play some comments. Of the, of the show that I believe that the real Donald Trump, I believe he's real, really, I think he's sharp and compassionate, and I think he's committed to protecting American lives. Um, here's what he told the crowd in Iowa th- uh, this week about meeting some families of two Americans who were recently killed by illegal immigrants, Kate Steinle killed by a criminal alien on July 1st in San Francisco, and Jamil Shaw, who was murdered by a, 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 a dreamer, a dreamer right here in Southern California a few months back. Uh, you know, it's interesting how the rest of the country, especially Northeastern liberals, all want to chime in on the problems that we have here in California because of the illegal immigration and tell us what we need to do to roll out the red carpet for these people. You know, it's our state's residents who are getting killed by criminal aliens, and it's and it's not just our state's residents because the illegal aliens are coming in all over. And uh, quite frankly, Trump is starting the conversation. Between Trump and, and uh, Ann Coulter's book, Ann Coulter's book, uh, uh, Adios America, that's starting the conversation. And hopefully hopefully the debate show, uh, brings a little bit more human side of Donald Trump because, I, you know, for, the, for his sake, as from me as a potential Trump backer, I hope I hope that's what comes out. But he made he made these comments in Iowa this week, and I think it gives a little little softer side of, of Donald Trump. And then, of course, you had Kate, beautiful Kate, incredible family, the mother, the father, the brother, Brad. They're incredible people. I spoke to them. And you have these people, and they are living in hell. They lost this incredible person, shot, as you know the story very well, shot by an illegal immigrant that came over. I don't know if he was forced over or he came over five times. And then the fifth time was disastrous for a family and for a country, frankly. And Jamil, the football player, young boy, incredible father, Jamil Shaw, who I got to know, unbelievable kid. And he was uh, coming home, he was walking home from the deli, a few minutes away from the house. And his father tells the story. I mean, everybody, even the reporters, I knew some hard veteran reporters and there's tears coming down their eyes. We had a conference in California a couple of weeks ago with six families who lost their children to illegal immigrants. It's a big problem, such a big problem, and nobody wants to talk about it. Such a big problem. In the case of Jamil, applying to Stanford, excellent player, good student, incredible parents and father, who I got to know the father really well. And he was five minutes away, and this guy just walks up to him and shoots him. And after he's down, he takes a gun and shoots him again. And he didn't do anything. In fact, he called his father. He calls his father affectionately, like my kids. He said, old man, he used to call him old man. Old man, I'll be home in about four minutes. And right after that, a minute later, the father heard a shot. And he said, oh, no, no, that can't be. And his son was laying there, shot by an animal, an animal that shouldn't have been in this country. And you know, of course, of course, before this guy killed Kate Steinle or or the guy that killed Jamil Shaw, you know, well, they don't have a record of 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 being a of a violent a violent uh, of being a violent person or a violent criminal. They have a criminal record, and they came over the, over into our our country legally, but 
since they don't have a history of, of violence, then we don't have to uh, we don't have to lock them up. We'll just let them go. And you know what? Nobody has a history of violence until they do. And people are coming in. If you read Ann Coulter's book, and I think that a lot of people are out there talking about it that haven't read it because now that now that I actually listened to it on uh, on iBooks. Um, but once you hear all the stuff that's in there, she's not talking about necessarily illegal immigrants. She's talking about immigration and how our immigration system changed since 1965. And what's that done? You know, we used to bring people into Ellis Island and, you know, there's, there's a reason why we brought people in. They came here for a reason. They brought, they brought their families and they brought their, their, uh, their trade, uh, talents. They brought a trade and they had something they're bringing to our country to make it better. Hey, I'm a tailor. I'm a baker. I'm I'm a I'm a cook. I'm a this. I'm a that. And they brought they brought something to America that made us what we are is a bunch of entrepreneurs and a bunch of capitalists and and people that want to be free and have liberty. And uh, then we changed the laws in in '65 under Ted Kennedy uh, with his bill that he passed and just started letting people in. And we had the family re- reunification. Well, you got one kid that's here that got born over here. People were here illegally. But now that the kid's legal citizen, now let's bring their whole family, their brothers and sisters, their aunts and uncles, their next door neighbors, bring everybody over here. And they're not coming here. They're not coming here to, to join the American culture. We want to bring their culture and we want to respect their culture. Guess what? If they want to re- keep their culture, then let them stay where they are. They need to come here and be part of our culture. Let me read this, what happened this week. Uh, an illegal. This is uh, from Fox News. Uh, an illegal immigrant suspected of murdering one woman, wounding another, and attempting to rape a 14-year-old girl was released earlier this month by Ohio Sheriff's deputies after U.S. Customs and Border Protection agents told them not to hold him. Enforcement officials said Tuesday, Juan Emanuel Razo, 35 years old, was arrested Monday after a shootout with police following a crime spree uh, that began with attempted rape of a girl in a park in Painesville, Ohio. Attempted rape of his 14-year-old niece. About 30 miles northeast of Cleveland, he later shot a woman in front of her children and murdered a 60-year-old woman in nearby Concord Township. According to police, while Raza was being held on $10 million bond, authorities are trying to explain why he was allowed to stay in the United States legally after local authorities questioned him three weeks ago. Three weeks ago, he gets questioned for, for, uh, for having, having issues. They release him uh, for, oh, for uh, attempting to rape a 14-year-old girl, was released. Now, he, now, three weeks later, he actually rapes his 14-year-old niece. He kills, he kills some lady in front of her kids. He kills a 60-year-old lady, and then he has a shootout with cops. And uh, now, now the judge says, the, the, I saw the, saw the video. I couldn't find the, find the clip uh, to play it for you today. But essentially what the judge, who is named uh, Michael Ciccinetti, he's, he's almost yelling in the courtroom. I have somebody, we don't know who he is, why he's in the country, why he's here illegally, why he allegedly committed a murder, um, and noting the suspect has no green card, no birth certificate, or driver's license. I can't set a bond high enough, he continued. How in the hell do I even know it's him? And you know what? There's something wrong in this country, folks. There's something wrong. And if we're too afraid to talk about it, we're too afraid to talk about it. In uh, Ann Coulter's book, she talks about how we bring their cultures. In America, it's not it's not our culture to rape our family members or to or for for guys to rape women or to abuse them or treat them like second class citizens. Guess what? In those other cultures that are coming to this country, that is that's more normal. 
You know, I'll tell you, there's in some in some uh, nationalities out there that there's a whole bunch of them here in this country. They see women as second class citizens. It's okay for guys to cheat on their wives. It's okay for them to rape other women. It's okay for this and okay for that. And that's not our culture. And the more people that we bring in and we say, hey, let's respect their culture. I say bull. Let's build a wall on the southern border, like Ann Coulter says, and say, you know what, a 30-foot 30, a 30 wall will bring a 31-foot ladder? I don't believe that. You know, and I don't believe we can, well, we'll have electronic surveillance. Build a wall and put Border Patrol people there, and you'll need less Border Patrol to, to, uh, to uh, protect us, and let's protect us. And then let's decide what to do with people are here, and let's start, start doing, uh, making some hard decisions. In my eyes, that's what ha- that's what has to happen in this country, and and I salute Donald Trump and Ann Coulter for starting the conversation, because this is a conversation that needs to be had. Well, you know, uh, people come over here illegally out of out of an act of love. Well, you know what? Some people probably some people in Mexico probably do come over here illegally because they love their family and they want to get away from that over there. But you know, as as women come over this come come into this country, uh, and they talk to authorities, eighty percent of them say they've been sexually abused on their way over. Well, you know, why are you calling the people that are the illegal immigrants? They're a bunch of rapists. Because who raped them? The white cops in uh, Baltimore? Is that how it happened? Or the white cops in Ferguson, Texas? Or uh, where is it? Who's raping them if it's not the people in Mexico? Because they're getting raped on the way over here. We don't want to talk about that. It's going to be a real interesting uh, election season, folks. And I'm, uh, I'm excited about what's going on with, uh, with our debate next Thursday night on Fox. I'm excited. Meanwhile, Hillary Clinton uh, evading everything. She, you know, she, uh, she's, she's got her opinions, but she doesn't have her opinions. Uh, first of all, on the Iran, on the Iran, uh, Iran deal that our, uh, our illustrious leader, Barack Obama and his, his, uh, almost got, almost got to be president, John Kerry, secretary of state, uh, after our, uh, criminal, uh, our criminal former secretary of state, uh, who lies, cheats and steals, and now is running for president. Um, uh, they made a deal with Iran, which basically just gives them all kinds of stuff, gives them uh, all 100, 100 or $150 billion of money that we have frozen of theirs, gives that back to them, takes off their, their san- sanctions, lets them, ha- lets them make uh, spin centrifuges and enrich uranium, enrich uranium. Oh, I did that backwards. Um, and it lets them, and it basically takes all the shackles, the, all the stuff off of them and really puts Israel in a bad position, uh, to, uh, in a dangerous position in the Middle East. And, uh, well, basically, uh, Huckabee went on and, and made his, his comments said Huckabee called out, out the Iran deal for being a danger to Israel this week. His criticism included a Holocaust reference Hillary blasted it for crossing the line. Let's listen. Let, first, let's listen to what Mike Huckabee said about it. This president's foreign policy is the most feckless uh, in American history. Uh, he's so naive, he would trust the Iranians, and he would take the Israelis and basically march them to the door of the oven. And you know what? He's exactly right, and... He, he gave everything to the Iranians, and we've got four hostages over there. One guy's over there, been there for, uh, for four years or three years. Uh, he's, a, uh, he's a pastor, and he's in jail for being Christian. And he was over there building a church. And, uh, well, here's what Hillary said. Here's, here was Hillary's opinion on what Huckabee said. I'm disappointed, and I'm 
really offended personally. Uh, I know Governor Huckabee. I have a cordial relationship with him. He served as the governor of Arkansas. But I find this kind of um, inflammatory rhetoric totally unacceptable. Uh, one can disagree with the particulars of the uh, agreement to put a lid on the nuclear weapons program uh, of Iran, and that is fair game. But this steps over the line. Yeah, well, again, once again, she said nothing, just like when she made her opinion. I think the agreement was an important agreement, important discussion, important agreement, and she just rambled on what her opinion. Huckabee said what, what he felt. Huckabee said the way it is, and, well, you know what? This is over the line to say what you think, say what you feel, and, and say, say it how it is. And uh, once again, uh, Hillary got caught this week um, talking to uh, reporters, and they asked her about... Uh, she seems to think she can she can be elected president without telling voters of her positions. Tuesday, Clinton told a town of town hall crowd in New Hampshire that she declined to say whether she supported the Keystone XL pipeline expansion. When the voter asked Mrs. Clinton, Mrs. Clinton, about her position, she said, "If the matter is still undecided by the time she becomes president, she'll give them an answer then." Uh, let me play her comment. Would you sign a bill? Yes or no, please in favor of allowing the Keystone XL pipeline. This is President Obama's decision, and I am not going to second-guess him because I was in a position to set this in motion, and I do not think that would be the right thing to do. So I want to wait and see what he and Secretary Kerry decide. If it's undecided when I become president, I will answer your question. Wow. Is that kind of like, uh, if it's undecided when I become president, and I'll tell you, you've got to elect me before I can tell you. It reminds me of a little line from Nancy Pelosi. But we have to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it. And how'd that work out that time? Okay, for those of you that haven't experienced the, the health care system in this country since Obamacare has been out there, let me tell you, it isn't, it isn't smooth, it isn't cool it didn't cut anybody's cost and it didn't make health care better it made it more expensive more of a headache more of a hassle and uh everybody's got insurance nobody has any health care it's a it's a it's a huge it's a huge shame and uh then we go to uh then we go to the uh the next thing on on my list is um is you know what let me skip over let me skip over that let me let me bring in bring in uh, a line let's talk about the debates next thursday night uh so apparently next thursday night there i guess fox has decided to do two two debates the the top 10 nationally polling uh candidates will be in the evening and they're going to do a a second tier that'll go in the afternoon for everybody else because i guess there's now 17 candidates some guy named gilmore got in who i don't even know who he is and i don't really care because i don't think if if i've never heard of him no one else ever heard of him and i think I think our president's either going to be Trump or Walker or uh, Perry or Carson or Fiorina or somebody that we know now. And uh, I'm excited about tomorrow night. But I'll tell you that we're starting to see who people are. We're starting to see who people are. Um, Tuesday or Wednesday, Thursday, I don't remember what day it was, uh, Chris Christie did a town hall. And you know what? Chris Christie was incredibly popular because he spoke his mind. And and I love this scene. You know, it, if if it wasn't for the bear hug, 
the bear hug with Obama four days before the reelection campaign or the uh, or his uh, his his kind of self-centered speech at the Republican convention four years ago. Um, I think I could be a Christie guy as well. But let me play this little uh, this little back and forth between uh, Chris Christie and the guy at this uh, town hall meeting. How are you going to New Jersey gun owners into thinking that you'll be anything other than a, a President Michael Bloomberg if you become successful? Well, because it's not true. So let's start with that. Yeah, does New Jersey have a lot of really difficult gun laws? Yeah, and they were all signed before I became governor. The 50 caliber man. I vetoed that. You just raised the 50 caliber rifle as if that was something that I did. I vetoed it. So I don't know where you're getting your information from, but your information is wrong. I vetoed the 50 caliber ban. I also vetoed the, the, the law that was passed and sent to my desk to reduce magazine size from 15 to 10. Now, is that somebody who's anti-gun and anti-gun rights who vetoes that as well? Well, I understand you're shrugging your shoulders, but what are you shrugging your shoulders about? I mean, I understand if you have a point of view, have a point of view, but have some facts to back it up. What are your facts to back up that I'm anti-gun? You know what? It's uh, it's refreshing to have it's refreshing to see politic politicians actually say what's on their mind and not be not be uh, reading off a teleprompter. Hopefully, you can you can tell that I got uh, talking points and I'm not really reading off a teleprompter. That's what I think Trump brings to the Trump brings to the uh, to the election campaign. And uh, Mark Cuban of uh, the owner of the Dallas Mavericks uh, made some comments on. Thursday that he could uh, he could get behind Trump and he could actually be a running mate. He said, you know, if he asked me to be his running mate, I probably wouldn't do it. But you know what? Um, I like to I like to see the you know he probably wouldn't do it because of the the political process and how this country runs now and what you have to do to be in office. But he says I could get behind it and and I and he's liking seeing how the uh, uh, how Trump could potentially change the way politics run in this country and uh and i'm excited to see that and i'm hoping that we get over the you know what when trump says the truth about what's going on i like the fact that scott walker is just shutting up i like i like the fact that that scott walker is not uh making comments on it i like the fact that uh uh you know rick perry's defending himself but i wish they'd all stay away from that and i like that chris christie is standing up for himself as well even though i'm not a big christie fan anymore but i you know those are the guys that we need in the white house the guys that speak their mind and uh so this is going to be exciting cuz we have a lot of lot of uh of good potential good potential leaders in our in our uh in our in our race this time and i'm excited about it i'm excited about it you know uh um i don't agree with you know i don't know that trump got completely prepared in that he used some uh some talking points from uh the democrats recall campaign of scott walker and insult and threw out some numbers that were before and and i think scott walker's done a tremendous job in wisconsin and i think uh rick perry uh, uh, uh protecting the border wasn't his job wasn't his job it's the federal government's job but he did what he did what he had to do and mobilized the national guard i think uh i think uh scott walker is a is a man of action i think rick perry's a man of action i think donald trump will be a man of action and uh and i think uh you know i i'm still a big fan of uh of carly fiorina and i and you know i'm a you know when i'm listening to ben carson 
And I don't want to sound like I don't have like I don't have any uh, any uh, decision making power here to make a decision. I think next Thursday night is going to be exciting. So make sure you watch that on Fox News. And next week I'll be talking about all the top stuff that we heard heard in the in the debates. In my eyes, the 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 campaign starts next Thursday, August six. In the meanwhile, let's talk about a couple other things that I got here. Uh, several major cities nationwide are imposing mandatory $15 an hour minimum wage on businesses, including New York City, where I am this weekend with my lovely wife, Dawn. You know, we, uh, we had an appointment that to uh, deal with, some, uh, with uh, some offshoot of Lehman Brothers, and we settled it before we actually left. So now we're just going to screw off for four days, so I'm excited about that. So uh, we're in New York, but New York City has a $15 an hour uh, uh, mandatory uh, uh, minimum wage, Seattle, and of course Los Angeles. This week's the LA County Super Board of Supervisors voted to increase the minimum wage to $15 without knowing any of its cities will actually get, how many of its cities will actually get on board. Um, well, hopefully not the Inland Empire will jump on it. But now we're hearing now we're hearing people where it's being implemented. Some of the people are realizing that, hey, if I have fifteen dollars an hour, I make too much money and I'm gonna lose my welfare, or I'm gonna lose my uh, my SNAP card, or I'm gonna lose this. And they're asking for their their hours to get cut back. Hello, does anybody realize? You know what? McDonald's jobs are for high school kids. McDonald's jobs aren't to feed your family on, so they don't need to be $15 an hour. High school kids need money to put gas in mom's car so they can take their girls, their girlfriends out on dates and they can buy their own insurance. And then if adults have to be there, that's because they're working their way to management. And those are, those are starting jobs. That's why they pay a minimum wage. Because anybody who's worth $15 that works for 8 bucks will show their, their boss or show somebody, and they'll, and they'll get a raise to 10 and then to 12 and then to 15 and then to 20 And that's creating jobs is how, how the lower class gets into the middle class. You don't, build, you don't build the economy from the middle out. And you can't start at the bottom up because poor people don't create jobs for middle class people who create jobs for rich people. The rich people and the corporations are the only ones that can create jobs other than the government. But the government doesn't have any money unless they tax tax it. And then all the corruption, none of it gets down to the bottom. Does that make any sense to anybody? That's how the world works, folks. That's how the world works. You know what? They called it trickle-down economics. I'm sorry. You can call it anything you want, but that's how it works. The corporations create jobs. Rich people hire hire uh, hire almost not quite as rich people who hire not quite as rich people, and the poor people get raises and jobs and take opportunities, and that's how they climb up the ladder. We don't have the president just give it to them and tax tax the rich people, or else you'll see what human nature does. Hey, I'm out of time, so I'm looking forward to uh, next week and talking talking to you back here on the main event about the debate. And, uh, folks, thanks for all the donations and all the push-ups we got last week and for everything you did for this nation's veterans. My name's Ed Hoffman. Thanks for listening to the main event. I'll be back again with you next week. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.